Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to the We Podcast, where we speak, we grow, we rise. I'm your host, Sarah Moneres. The We Podcast is part of the We Community, where we are passionate about creating community and providing a space for speaking authentic truth, growing together, and rising above challenges and into the full power of all we were created to be. This week on the We Podcast, my guest is Katie Mares. Let me tell you ahead of time, this is good. <laughs> You'll want to listen all the way through for all the amazing truth bombs and insights. As a speaking professional, Katie has inspired audiences around the world to think differently about customer experience, the female consumer, and leadership. Katie has earned her master's in adult training and development and is a certified training and development professional. She knows firsthand the challenges organizations encounter as they strive to design a customer experience program that is sustainable and has an impact in the marketplace. She also knows that developing a program is just one small step to success. It is the tools and implementation plan that makes a program take flight. Katie lives in Toronto with her family. When she's not traveling around the world advising and speaking, Katie can be found on a yoga mat, in a shoe store, or snuggled on the couch with her three little ones eating homemade popcorn and watching a movie. Katie is my kind of lady. <laughs> this episode of the WE podcast is brought to you by the WE community. The WE community is a space to learn, grow, and connect with like-minded women. Head over to the Facebook community and get plugged in. We are also on Instagram. There are giveaways and big announcements going on in those spaces that we know you will want to be a part of. We also ask that if you love the WE podcast that you write us a review. If you take a screenshot of the review and share it on your social media, Tag me, Sarah Moneras, and the WE community. It's the WE spot on Instagram. We will put you into a drawing to win some awesome swag. We may even share your review and give you a shout out on our next episode. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on our new episodes dropping every week. Thank you so much, and we can't wait to see you over in social media. All right, here we go. Here is my interview with Katie. Hey, welcome. I'm very excited. This episode, my beautiful guest, I get to know along with all of our listeners. So I've been really excited to meet with you and get to know you. We are talking today with Katie Mares. Right? Yes. You got it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, did I say it right? Yes. <laughs> you totally got it right. <laughs> and we have been trying for a while to, to connect and to do this thing. And so it's really exciting that we're here. I know that there are people in the world, Anthony specifically, who has said, we need to have a conversation. This needs to happen. So I'm happy to have you here. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, awesome. Good. All right. So let's just kind of start out with us getting to know you. I mean, I know you have three kids. Is that right? Yeah, I do. I have eight-year-old twins and a five-year-old. Oh. So they keep me busy. Yes. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah they, uh, they really do. So boys, girls... Yeah, the twins, boy and girl. And so a lot of people say, you're crazy. You had the million dollar family and then you went and did it again. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, because when you have twins, it's like having only an only child. And there's this like twin syndrome that sets in where you just, you, you give them everything at the same time and, and they don't really learn how to take care of others. So I was crazy enough to do it again. I come from a family of three. I um, really was a big part in raising my brother and sister. So for me, it was about, you know, we need to give our lovely twins the ability to learn to care for someone else and have the responsibilities of um, not just getting, but also giving. 
So, mm-hmm. so that was the decision in having our little one, Riley. Awesome. Oh, I love that. Yes. And twins, I can't even imagine. I, <laughs> and if I were to tell you the story of how they came into the world, you would be like, what? And you did it again. You know, so they came at, uh, <laughs> They came at 31 weeks, so they were super tiny, like three pounds when they were born. They were in the NICU for almost two months, um, but I, pretty, I almost died um, while giving birth to them. And so basically, wow. um, my liver failed, my blood platelets diminished. I was 25 years old, and my husband is signing my life away in the emergency before I'm going in um, and going under saying, you're, you're going to get two babies out of this, but there's a good chance your wife isn't coming out of it. So um, having, having them come into the world that way, I didn't wake up for four days until four days after the birth. And uh, everyone met my kids before I met my kids. So it was, uh, and then they were in the NICU and my son got really sick. Um, he would had this, uh, he would spell. And basically what that is, is your heart rate is normal. And then it would completely bottom out. So he'd have to be resuscitated like 20 times a day. Mm. Yeah. So it was, and then, you know, fast forward. Now you look at them eight years old. um, You wouldn't even imagine that they were like these tiny little beings. You know, those green soothers that they sell at the drugstore, like the green ones that are rubber. They, that was the size of their face. Like they were so tiny. Wow. (laughs) They were so tiny. (laughs) <laughs> and now they're eight and strong and, and vital and amazing and drive me crazy all at the same time. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Then we did it again. But it was uh, twins were hard. Oh, my gosh. First time mom, super mm. young, 25 years old. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's one thing as a woman to breastfeed one child. But imagine breastfeeding two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't. That's the thing. I, I, I'm pretty sure God knew I couldn't handle it. <laughs> and that is why you had a single baby. Yes. 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 Uh, somehow we got through it. So somehow we got through it. Yeah. It was, it, and it, you look back at it now and you're like, wow, we, we, we achieved that and, and, and they're okay. So yeah, must be happy that bad parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that true though? You think you can't handle something until you're in it and then you, you yes. do, you just do. You don't really have a choice otherwise. <laughs> so you figure it yeah, out. Yeah, I think that's true. I think we don't, we often don't give ourselves enough credit and we don't, you know, believe in ourselves enough. And you're right. It isn't until you're through and out the other side. And here's the fault is a lot of the time we don't look back and celebrate what we've accomplished. We just kind of go through it. So we don't even realize half the time that we've accomplished what we've accomplished. But we don't give ourselves enough credit and we don't often look at say, oh, wow, we did do this. We did accomplish. We got through it. We just kind of, you know, we're hard on ourselves. Totally. I completely agree with that. I think it's sad because there's this like culture of people who it's like, go, 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 go. Don't ever stop to to acknowledge where you've been and what you've done. You just move on to the next yeah, that's, it's this, um, well, and I think it's got a lot to do with um, the way of the world with, you know, social media and um, this instant gratification, right? So it's like, okay, I've achieved it, but what's the next, you know, to your point, what's the next thing? What am I going to achieve next? And, mm-hmm. and that next has to come really quick or else we feel bad about ourselves for not accomplishing what the social world puts out there as like the perfect life. And so we're always running to keep up with people that, um, more nine times out of 10 don't even live the life they post online. Yes. And, and it's that next, next, next. And then we don't look at what we've accomplished and you're right. We just look, keep going forward. And, and it's, uh, there's, it's, it's the, you know, the hamster wheel and we never stop. Mm-hmm. And we never breathe and we never get focused on, you know, how good life really is in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Amen, sister. <laughs> <laughs> I can see why we were supposed to connect. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, Anthony. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's awesome. All right. So then you went on to have another child, and I can expect that that was super scary with everything that happened the first time. Yes, it was. I had about six doctors watching me um, through that pregnancy, but she went full term. She was 10 pounds. So I. <laughs> I delivered these tiny things and then I delivered a really big baby (laughs) 
on the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, and she came out, you know, healthy and, and, uh, and it was, it was a good pregnancy. Oh, good. Yes. No complications the second time around. None, none other than like a huge baby in my belly that made me feel over <laughs> taken over. But you know how that is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a big jump from three pounds to 10 pounds. <laughs> Like the twins together weighed less than Riley did alone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, so you live in Canada. I do. Are yes. you from there? I am. Yep. I live uh, born and raised in the Toronto area. Okay. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm like trying to think of where Toronto is on the Canada map. I don't <laughs> Don't ask me, and I'm Canadian, so <laughs> I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Geography was not the subject that I did, that I excelled at in school, I can tell you that. Oh, that's funny. Oh, well, I know that you are super busy and you have a really successful business going on you're helping a lot of people and i want to get to that place mm -hmm. but i also want to talk about kind of what has happened along the way that has gotten you to where you are now yeah in terms of like a like a personal push or like a, a professional like because they I mean, they kind of go hand in hand, but the journey kind of blends into one another as life normally does. Um, yeah. what, what part are you interested in, Martha, or all of it? Because oh, <laughs> we could be we have an hour. hour. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I mean, I, I and I, I, I don't know if you ever, if you watched um, Ken uh, Breaking Through Walls, Ken Walls show that I did with him. Um, you know, talk a little bit about my my journey as. Uh, you know, through childhood and, and then into adulthood and growing up, I didn't necessarily have the, the easiest life. Um, I still have a ton of blessings from it. Um, you know, both my parents suffered in, um, you know, alcohol consumption and alcohol abuse. Um, I, it's, it's really a form of addiction that is one of the worst because it's hidden that one in five children in North America suffer in a family of addiction. Um, and addiction can come in many forms. It could be um, your your drug of choice could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be heroin, weed, um, it can be uh, addiction to, I mean, dare I say it, sex or this or that. There's a ton of different forms of addiction. And unfortunately, we were riddled with um, alcoholism in our household. And so it was a lot of, um, a lot of time spent um, raising my brother and sister and kind of taking on that parenting role. And uh, so I didn't have a lot of, a lot of time to be a kid. Um, cause I wanted to make sure my brother and sister had a ton of time to be kids so that they could grow up and have, um, you know, be able to experience life and, and kind of find their way, um, as most, as most of us do. And so I, I spent a lot of time working at a really young age. Um, I spent a lot of time doing homework and making dinners and, um, you know, take, making sure my father, uh, you know, was, was taken care of and, and hiding and shielding things from my brother and sister. And so, um, that was, that was my childhood really. And so as I went through, um, life as that was, I really started to gain, um, a perspective of, um, positivity because I feel like that's the only thing that would really keep me going in my day. Um, you know, everything else that was great in life. Like I have wonderful grandparents. Um, I wake up and I breathe every day. Um, and I have the ability to, uh, you know, inspire other people. And I, and I started to cultivate this at a, at a young age and I, it might've been a coping mechanism. I don't know, but it's um, definitely been a blessing for me because through that and through, you know, as I get into the professional, um, you know, when you start working and you have your career and you go through, you know, your professional journey after education, um, you really start to realize how many people um, need a positive charge in life uh, because it doesn't, it's, it's really, it's so sad, but it's um, few and far in between um, the smiles or, or laughter that people have. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. And you know, we talk a little bit about the, the rat race, right? The, the hamster wheel, the go, go, go. Mm -hmm. um, we often forget about, um, you know, the positivity that is with us 
today in this moment, talking to you, um, you know, having the opportunity to meet wonderful people. So through my journey, um, I really, really focused on helping others because what I, you know, a lot of people ask me now at 34 years old with my three children, um, having a career that is, I don't even see it as a career because I, I wake up every day and I don't think I work a day in my life, um, which is an amazing feeling. Mm-hmm. They asked me, well, how, how are you here? You know, when they learn of, of the journey that I had to take and, and I truly believe, cause, and then they say, you know, cause I have a relationship with my parents now. I mean, my, my dad, um, when he went through rehab finally, and I'm so proud of him, he's over two years sober now, which is phenomenal. And he's got a relationship with my, my kids and, and he lived with me for a little while. And it's like, well, how, how did you, how did you get over all of this? And it's always been my belief that people do what they know best at the time. Mm-hmm. So his parents, for example, um, his mom was an alcoholic, his dad left him. So what better did he know to raise me in any other way, but that way. And I believe that everyone in the present moment is doing the best that they know how with the skills that they're given. And so that's been my charge in life. And, and for me, it's about helping others know more so they can do more and be better. So whether that is, you know, just a phone call conversation with somebody that might have a question, um, whether it's with, you know, a client that I'm sitting with, like, for example, this morning I was with a client and I was there to do prep for um, a workshop that we're going to do, but we spent the whole time working on her confidence as a woman. So, it, you know, it's, it's about giving as much as I can to people so that they can be better and, and know more and do better because I don't believe um, we can until we do. And so through life, people ask me, you know, how, how did you get through it? But that's how I got through it. I, I'm, I believe that we need to forgive quickly and learn often. And I feel like we need to make sure that we give as much to others as possible. And, and, and that's, that's really that positive charge that got me through my career and to where I am today. So I've gone from um, working in retail to working in specialty medical, to going back and getting my master's um, while having three children and, you know, a high profile position to being a COO of a company and then opening my own company. So that one charge has taken me through absolutely everything and every person that I interact with. And people ask, well, why do you leave all these awesome positions? Cause I think I meant to help multitude of organizations, a ton of different people feel good about themselves so they can get the results that they want and not just one single organization. So leaving that COO position was so that I can help more people. And I can ensure that more people feel the positivity that they need to feel to take a moment and breathe or to take a moment and realize how great they are and and what they've accomplished. And so really that's, you know, when people ask me, what do you do, Katie? This is, this is what I say. I'm sure you're familiar with Simon Sinek. Start with the why. Mm -hmm. Yes. So Simon, Simon is, that was a pivotal, pivotal moment for me when I, when I watched that video, because I completely changed the way. I, um, I help people and I, I go about my day to day. So I feel like I've been put on this earth to inspire positive, actionable change in every interaction I have. So my hope is that the person that I'm talking to, the organization that I'm working with is better off having interacted with me than if they hadn't, is I leave them in a better place knowing more so they can do more and get the results that they want. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of been the, the path and, and why I'm kind of here today and why I do what I do. That's amazing. In a nutshell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. I can 100% relate to you in, well, in, in a lot of ways, but especially when you said you left the C, CEO, COO, COO, COO job because you felt like you needed you were meant to help more people. It's exactly why I've left the counseling office. Mm -hmm. Like bigger scale, bigger level, more people than you can affect. Bigger reach. Yes, completely. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's awesome. So what an amazing foundation to be building from and to be helping people from and helping people 
grow from. And I, I, I completely agree also that people can't do different until they know different. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds like you've made that your mission to help people know different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Give them any sort of skill. And, and I mean, um, so my methodology in my organization, it's called the core methodology. So if we were to um, engage with a personal trainer, let's say, the first place that personal trainer is going to ask you to um, strengthen is your core. Because if you don't have a strong core, you're going to pull a muscle and then you're going to be out and you're not going to get the results that you want. You're going to be in pain. Mm -hmm. If we look at um, an avocado, a, um, any sort of fruit with a seed, the seed is the strongest portion and it's at the core of that fruit. It's at the middle of that fruit. So any object, it's the core that holds us together. And so in organizations, I work with organizations so that all of their systems, their processes, their people, their leadership, um, they're all working in a natural state and they're strong at the core. That way, anything that is thrown their way, they're able to handle. Mm-hmm. And so it really is. And it's not just, um, it's not just organizations. It's, it's people in general. It's if I can help them be um, stronger in the core of who they are, then I know that, you know, they're going to have that one more step to success, that one step closer to what they want. Mm-hmm. And uh, really that's, yeah, that's what I, I'm here to do is to just really help, help people be the best that they can be. Mm-hmm. Which is amazing. So can we go back for a second? Yeah, of course. Because it sounds like, and I, I appreciate you talking about your, your childhood experience and your family growing up, because I agree addiction is something that is not talked about openly oh, enough. Gosh. It's taboo. It's oh, yeah. taboo. It's embarrassing. People mm-hmm. don't. And I have to tell you, I, I, so on breaking down walls, um, with Ken walls, uh, was the first time I ever openly spoke about, um, I mean, publicly in a way, in a big way where people, thousands of people hear it. Um, it's the first time I had ever done that. And, oh my gosh, did I get phone calls from my family and my, my sister? Oh, and she's probably going to kill me now. She's listening when she listens to this. Um, but she's like, 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 wow, like, you know, did you have to be so harsh? Did you have to like talk like this? And I, and I, and as much as I apologize for making her feel a certain way, um, I do because that's why, that's why addiction is the way it is today is because people are embarrassed to speak about it. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to be the one that is black, you know, the black sheep of the family, because I can help so many more people than the, you know, the 20 people in my immediate reach, then, then so be it. And so I feel, um, I feel like whenever you hear the word addiction or addict, you think of, um, you think of the junkie on the street, right? Like, I feel like that's the, the sort of thought process behind addiction, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's so not that. And so, I really want to help change that stigma. And unfortunately, if you look on like all the TED Talks and you look at um, anything that's out there um, in terms of addiction, the only people that talk about it are doctors and psychologists. Mm -hmm. Maybe an addict themselves, maybe. Mm -hmm. There's nobody from the family, which unfortunately they're the ones that suffer the most because, you know, the addict, the person who's suffering with addiction they, um, they're in it. So for them, it's like, they're not suffering. It's that it's what they're doing that's affecting the family around them. And as I mentioned earlier, one in five children live in a household riddled with some form of addiction. And it's usually alcoholism because it's the most, um, it's, it's, it's like, oh, it's wine time. It's when, you know, wine for mommy or like it it is out there and it's accepted, right? It's widely accepted. Mm -hmm. So these poor kids are dealing with this and they have, no idea how to feel. They are scared to come home. They don't know what reaction they're going to get. And, and it breaks my heart because I went through that. And um, to a certain extent, my sister and my brother went through that. And it's, there's no outlet for families. There's no outlet for the family members who are suffering um, in that home. And so it's, uh, it's really something that I'm willing to talk about because not a lot of people are and and we have to start somewhere. If we're going to start a movement, we have to start somewhere. And 
So let me be that black sheep. That's <laughs> basically it. Let me be that. Well, it's okay brave. That. that is brave. It's amazing. I mean, you're modeling for so many people how important that is to push through that fear and to speak up because this is your truth. And, mm -hmm. and not everybody necessarily likes to hear our truth because maybe yeah. they think it affects them negatively or to me, I think some, something I've had to come to terms with in my own life is if my truth is upsetting to somebody else, then that means that they have work to do around that, mm -hmm. that truth. Um, yeah. And that I can't hold back my voice and my truth in fear of somebody else's reaction. And it's, it's yeah. hard, though, to get there. It's scary. <laughs> and it is. Because, like, I mean, I love, love, love my family. Um, we are, even regardless of the peaks and valleys that we've gone through, we are so tightly knit. So I'm not saying, oh, like, my parents suck and mm -hmm. um, I never talk to them and, oh, my God, my family is a mess. Like, no, like, I see my grandparents every Friday. I see my, my mom once a week, either Saturday or Sunday, and we see my in-laws Saturday or Sunday. So it's like, we're a family and, and families go through things and that is okay. It's how we handle it on the other side. And I, and I, I'd have to say out of all of that, um, I feel truly blessed because I wouldn't change a single thing about my childhood because it's made me who I am today. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a single way of where we are today. Cause I don't think we'd be as strong as we are today if we didn't go through what we went through years ago. It's just, it's recognizing it. And it's, it's now looking at it and saying, how do we help others? How do we help others come out the other side and have, and actually have a relationship? Like I have a relationship with my family, you know, and, and that's, that's what should be. Because as I said, people do the best that they know how at the time. That doesn't mean they need to be punished for the rest of their life. Exactly. Yeah. But, oh gosh, I just love this because I think <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, fired up. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> because I think that people think in order to speak truth, that's hard truth, they do have to be hateful or angry or, um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that that's yeah. the only way that it's acceptable to say, hey, my parents were alcoholics and it sucked for me. And it was hard that you're you can't at the same time love your parents and have mercy and grace and compassion, empathy for them mm -hmm. and understanding that's where they were at that point, that those two, they, they can coexist with each other, that you yes. can love oh someone God, yes. and say that this was hurtful also. Yep. And, and I think it's a truth that, you know, everyone needs to hear. I mean, it, it's, it might be hurtful for them to hear it, but it's going to, if, if said in a way with compassion, if said in a way that is not, like you said, with anger, nothing, nothing has to be laced with anger. Like nothing in life has to be laced with anger. Yeah. Um, if, if, it's, if, if it's coming from a good place. And so that's why I love the Simon Sinek start with the why from the inside out. It's like everything you do comes from somewhere. So like if you're going to relay a message, I always, you know, whenever I'm coaching somebody or I'm talking to somebody, it's like, where is that message coming from? If it's coming from a place of anger, then it's going to come across in an angry tone and you're going to hurt somebody. If it's coming from a pace, place of love, um, compassion, empathy, then that's how it's going to come out. And then at that point, if you're doing that and the person sitting in front of you doesn't hear it that way, then that's on that person. And that means like you just said, and I loved how you said this, is that usually when you speak your truth and somebody else gets angry, it's because they have some work to do. If you speak your truth from a good place and from a place of love, then, and that person still gets angry, then you're right. They, they do still have, they have some work to do. Um, but the only way they're going to do that work is if somebody's truthful with them. Mm -hmm. Because you don't know, like you can't fix what you don't know is broken. And if you're living in this world and it's just the way your world is, then how are you ever going to fix it? Right. So somebody has to be, um, you know, ballsy enough, have enough, you know, uh, tenacity and gumption to, 
to say the things from a nice place, from a good place, um, but say the things people don't want to hear because yeah. that's the only way that you grow. Totally. Mm-hmm. Oh, I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's in, I, I, and maybe this is on the top of my mind because I'm currently writing an article about um, the whole, you, you know, positivity and gratitude movement that's happening mm-hmm. in our society right now. Um, yep. And I think that that, because of, and I, I love gratitude, I love positivity. I mean, as a therapist, I've always been drawn to positive psychology and I think they all have a place and they're all necessary. Mm -hmm. And I think they can also be used to go against like everything that you're saying. Like if you speak up and if you say, Hey, this is a problem, this is not okay. Or we need to work on this. We need to talk about this. We need to fix this. Then you're not being positive. Mm -hmm you're not being grateful. You know what I mean? Like I see this wrapping around and almost causing damage in a sense because then it makes it to where, well, then people can't deal with problems because it's negative. Yep. Oh my gosh. Like, I mean, I look at, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. So like my kids, um, I don't shelter them from the, I mean, not that my husband and I fight a lot, but I don't shelter them from those fights because they need to see that the whole world isn't a happy place because they're not going to go through life with absolutely no problems. They're going to fall on their face. And if, if they don't know how to pick themselves back up and deal with these emotions, then I'm setting them up for failure. And I, and I think you're right. The whole, and don't get me wrong. I gratitude. I'm grateful every day. Mm -hmm. I meditate every day. Um, I'm a big yogi. Um, like I'm big into yoga practices and you know, I feel very blessed in life, but I'm also a realist because I do know that, excuse my language, but shit happens mm-hmm. and, and it happens to the best of us and it happens to the nicest person. And it happens to the worst person. Um, but this goes back to, it's not what happens in that moment. It's how you deal with it. But if you're not taught how to deal with these um, negative emotions, then you're going to, you're going to spin in life and you're going to have no idea. That's where we get anxiety in life right now. Anxiety in our children, anxiety in the society, depression, not being able to get out of bed because life isn't picture perfect. Um, mm-hmm. my Instagram page doesn't look like her Instagram page or, and don't get me wrong. I get riddled in that too, because social media is such a, a big thing and it's hard not to get caught up in that. But if you don't know how to then deal with the emotion that you're having and move forward and you get stuck. Yeah. Like life is passing you by. So yeah. I, I, I would totally, I, I can't wait to read your article. I think that's like, that's phenomenal. <laughs> well, I love, I love anybody who is willing to go against the grain. Um, because it's when we go against the grain that we have great things happen. It's, it's when we swim with the school of fish that nothing changes. So good on you. I really love that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I tell couples in couples therapy that they need to fight in front of their kids. Um, yeah. Not like knock down, drag out, distract no. I will be clear <laughs> because somebody's going to send me a message and be like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but we need to have arguments in front of our kids. They need to know what yeah. conflict looks like and not be so many people are terrified of conflict. Yeah. And can't, will do whatever they can. Substance abuse comes in play here too, to avoid any mm-hmm. sort of negative and conflict is perceived as so negative rather than a growth opportunity. Yeah. It is mm-hmm. totally a growth opportunity. So good for you for fighting in front of your kids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. We don't knock each other out or anything. Well, but right. Have, you know, and that's when they come up and they're like, mommy, daddy, you know, don't, don't fight. We don't want you to fight. I'm like, but we're not fighting. Adults disagree and we're allowed to have different points of views and we're allowed to argue and we're allowed to raise our voices because we're different people and, and we need to work through that and life isn't easy. And so it's, it's something that, I mean, it doesn't happen often, but it's, it's like I growing up in the household I grew up in. Um, I saw my parents fight 
every day, all day, like it, like it was, it, there was no, um, there was no love between the two of them. You know, they slept in separate bedrooms. They, um, they never made up. And so for me, it's important that my kids, they, they see the struggle a little bit, but then they see us work through the struggle, you know, because then hopefully, you know, when they get married or have a boyfriend or girlfriend one day that they're going to be able to work through that struggle themselves mm -hmm. realize it's not the end of the world. It very much feels like the end of the world when you're in it, <laughs> Yeah. but realizing that, you know, it's, you're going to come out the other side. Mm -hmm. So yes, I fight. We fight in front of our children. <laughs> it, sounds, <laughs> it sounds terrible. It really does. I'm hearing myself and it sounds terrible, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I don't think it does at all. I think it's necessary. I, I mean, my husband and I argue in front of our kids and like, like you said, it doesn't happen a ton, but the other piece that you touched on, you said, yeah, you need to know that you can disagree and you can come back and, and, and have a resolution and mm -hmm. you continue to love each other, even though you don't agree with each other. It's yeah. so, I mean, that is vital, a, a necessary skill, I think, um, for all of us to have rather than burying our head in the sand of there's never any conflict everything's always sunshine and rainbows and positive yeah. and all I have mm -hmm. to do is be gr uh, grateful and life will be perfect. <laughs> well, that too. And also what I fear a lot of the time, and, and we're all guilty of it sometimes where you just don't want to get into an argument. So you keep your thoughts to yourself and then you stop speaking your truth. And then you do that one time and then you do it another time and then you do it another time. And then all of a sudden you're festering and then, and then there's the explosion, right? The explosion that nobody knows is coming because it's silently building within you mm. and, and how, how unfair to yourself and your health and, and you know, your sanity. Um, but how unfair to your partner <laughs> because yeah. all of a sudden they, they're going along, humming along and thinking everything's okay. And then you explode. And they're like, what, what just happened? And so, I mean, that with our marriage, um, that happened a lot at the beginning because I would just be like, okay, uh-huh. And then finally we start speaking our truth and it allows you to get over things quicker. It allows you to um, catch it before the explosion happens and they become minor disagreements versus like full on tear each other down fights, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Such a powerful point. We have to learn to deal with it as we go and continue mm -hmm. to speak our truth as we go, for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's, I really believe that's why there's so much sickness. That's why there's so, oh, yeah. Because people, they hold it in and yes. their, their bodies become sick because yeah. those things can't be held in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to think it, it's working brilliantly. My husband, he might not, but I speak the truth with everything I say, with everything I think. <laughs> the poor man, the poor man is married to me, but. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he appreciates it. <laughs> yeah, he always knows what's on my mind. So there we go. <laughs> That's a good thing though. A lot of it times is. men ask for that. Like, can you just tell me, like, <laughs> instead of making me read your yes. mind or trying yeah. to read yeah. your mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I could talk about this forever, but <clears throat> I want to talk more about what you do. So one thing that I, I noticed, uh, we're both very women focused and mm -hmm. in your business, you primarily focus on the woman's perspective and I know we touched on it briefly. You have a master's degree in adult training and development. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean exactly to be focused on the woman's perspective? Clarify that for us. Yeah, for sure. So, um, so I, as I'm truly passionate about a couple of things, a is helping people, like I mentioned, um, and it's the experiences people have. And, uh, I'm a firm believer that, um, you know, women do not get granted the experiences they're warranted in life. Um, part of the fact is that it's our fault and we're afraid to ask for it um, because that's the way society has 
I mean, we have not evolved as much as we think we've evolved. If you actually do the research, there has been zero, and to me it's zero change, but very little change between the year I was born, um, 1984, all the way up to um, today in terms of a woman's movement. Um, we've actually standed, stood still and, and, and some of the time retreated. And a lot of that is because we're afraid of asking for what we want um, and we get stuck in this role of um, I need to, and I really do believe it's changing with the millennial generation, but um, it's this role of I need to be a wife, I need to be mom, maybe a professional if I choose so and not choose to stay home, and then, and then I worry about me. Um, so it's, it's, or family and then me. So it's like we go through all these different layers and, and we kind of lose ourselves. And I don't know. I felt that way anyways. And the reason why I'm so passionate about it is, you know, I was super young when I got married, had my two children, almost died, um, had another child and really lost myself along the way because I became this doting wife, which is a wonderful thing for my husband and my family, a doting mother, again, wonderful, all about the family, give, 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 give. And while running corporations, and then I forgot about me. And, and along mm -hmm. the way, I was like, I'm not taking care of myself. And, and a lot of the time is because I was afraid to ask. I was afraid to put myself at the table. I was afraid to tell, you know, tell people what I needed and what I wanted and be okay with that and be confident with that. And so what got me into the whole woman's perspective, so there's that piece. And then from a consumer standpoint, you know, I went out shopping for a car and I got treated like, um, like I was not good enough for them to take my money and which got me down the path of researching the female consumer and really the female consumer is the economy of the world we control 28 trillion dollars of worldwide spending 28 trillion dollars we make decisions for up to four generations in our household and with vehicles we have 85 percent influence on whether or not our husband purchases a car and we out actually a recent study shows we actually outnumber the women drivers outnumber the amount of ma male drivers on the road right now. So it's like, we are like, we dominate. And so I went down this path in this rabbit hole of researching um, the experience in automotive and really fell in love with marrying together my passion for um, women fulfilling themselves. My greatest, you know, hope would be that my girls look at me and say, ah, I can have my cake and eat it too. Mm -hmm. I can be a mom. I can be a wife. I can be a professional um, or I can be a mom and be a wife and choose to stay home. I mean, kudos to the women that do that because it's not in my DNA. And I think they're like the strongest individuals in the whole wide world because I'm not that strong. Um, but the fact is it's a choice. I want them to be able to choose what's right for them. So it's not like you have to stay home because you're a mom and a wife. Um, you choose to stay home because that's what's right for you and you think it's best for the family and you're comfortable with that decision. Mm -hmm. And then I see my son and I look at my son and I, I mean, I hope that he just supports his wife or his partner in whatever it is she needs to do so she can have her cake and eat it too. So for me, um, the whole movement from a woman's perspective is a, I want to, you know, help women have better experiences when it comes to, um, you know, the, the automotive industry, when it comes to the medical industry, when it comes to really anything that affects the home and the purchases she makes. Um, and then I want her to have um, better experiences in her life and feel good about waking up every day and taking the yoga class she needs to take or going to the gym because she needs to be a little selfish or spending a day at a spa or taking a girl's weekend or starting on that business venture that's right for her mm -hmm. or choosing to stay home. So I just, uh, I'm so passionate about, about women. And I love how you say it, living their truth. I'm so passionate about women finding their truth, living their truth. And then we can't have a movement unless the gentlemen come along. Cause it's really about equality. Women can sit in a conference center all day long and talk to each other and, and feel so inspired and leave. And then nothing happens. Mm -hmm. Um, the men at the table need to be equally engaged as the woman, women at the table to make a movement happen. So um, my next leg and everything that I, I want to do is, is to really make a little splash and make a little noise and, and get the men to come along with us because that's when we'll see magic happen. Mm. Mm -hmm. 
I love that. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I just want to clap. <laughs> yeah, let's clap. Yeah, it feels good. It does. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't agree more. We do have a long way to go still. Big time. And and I hate to say it, but it's our own fault. It's mm-hmm. our, it, it is really, a lot of it is our fault. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I would love for you to pay attention to this one word. Um, when you're interacting with women, look at it, emails, texts, and in conversations, the word just women use the word just before everything they say they're apologizing before they even ask what they want. Well, I just wanted to confirm a man would say, I'm confirming this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just wanted to know if you needed me at this meeting. A man would say, I'll be at this meeting at this time. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to, I just, I just, I just, and is the one word I would love women to get rid of because they have to stop apologizing for being a woman and start acting just as a human being. Mm-hmm. If we don't do that, then we're, we're never going to get where we need to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's good. I'm like sitting here thinking in my brain how I use just. <laughs> uh-huh. but, but watch it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I can totally picture what you're saying. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like, well, I don't know. I have like 50 different directions I want to go right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, hang on. I get some squirrel moments going on. Um, like, I want to talk about the men because I agree yep. also And I'm very blessed to have a husband that says, do whatever you want. Like, Mm -hmm. um, he would love to stay home. I told him someday I'm going to be so successful that he could just be my manager. And he's happy about that. (laughs) I love it. And he's all I love it. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. But for me, and I I, I completely agree. It is our fault. I mean, uh-huh. I remember like my, one of my biggest breakdown eye-opening moments was I have created this for myself. I yeah. have set myself up to be exhausted and resentful and all of those things. And it's my fault and it's my job to, to make those things change. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, it's all in you being in, you know, in counseling and in therapy. I mean, where's the first place you have to look if something's wrong in life? Mm-hmm. Right. You gotta look at yourself in the mirror because mm-hmm. you can't force somebody to change. You can only change yourself. And it's that whole saying, what you put out in life is what you get back. But it's true. The vibrations you put into the world is what comes back to you. So if you're going to wake up every day apologizing, then you're never going to get where you need to be. You got to wake up every day being confident with yourself. You know, I just, I just reading the book, Think and Grow Rich, and I'm probably the last person on the planet earth to read this book. Um, But it, you know, it talks about auto suggestion and it talks about, you know, really putting that vibration into the world. And as women, if we truly want to be equal, then we need to start putting the vibration into the world that we are already equal. Mm-hmm. And, and if we keep apologizing, I mean, it's not going to happen. And, and it's not the men's fault because they're just going along with what has been for so long. And mm-hmm. they don't know any different. This goes back to you do the best that you know at the time. And if they don't know differently, they're not going to do differently because why would you? Why would a human change if they weren't influenced to change? Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't tell you how often I hear women say things like, oh, I can't do that because I have to make dinner or I have to do this or I have to do that. And it's like, really? Like, do you have to? Or what if you just stopped? Yeah. <laughs> what if you just stopped doing that? Is that, is that really your husband's expectation or is that an expectation that you've put on yourself? Which most yeah. of the time it's an expectation we put on ourselves. 
Oh, with, I mean, without a doubt, don't get me wrong. Like I, and I'm nowhere from perfect. Um, I mean, I travel a lot and I have my three kids. So yeah, when I'm home, sometimes it's really, really easy to get caught up in, in, in mommyhood because I feel guilty sometimes for being away. So when I'm home, yeah, I have to have the movie night. I have to have the snuggles. I don't want to go to the gym because I want to give them the time. But then what am I teaching them? You know, and so I actually just most recently, if you follow me on social, um, on Instagram anyways, I'm doing a 28 day challenge where, you know, it's 28 days of commitment to myself that 28 days I'm going to do some physical activity. I'm going to get on my yoga mat because it's my favorite place to be. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to get to the gym. Um, I'm going to do that for me and I'm going to keep myself accountable to the, that's the one powerful thing about social media is I can keep myself accountable to everybody, you know, my 10,000 followers. And so for me, it's, um, if we don't make that presence, if we use them as excuses to not do something, then we're hindering ourselves. So I I would totally agree with you. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm, I love that. So good. Okay. So you said earlier, you said we need to start being okay with speaking our truth and speaking up for ourselves and doing what it is that we need to do. And so how did, how does somebody in your opinion start doing that? Like if it's something they haven't been doing, they want to do, maybe they're just realizing it for the first time. How do they get that started? So, I mean, and I, and I don't do this as often as I'd like to do it. Um, I, and I, I've learned it, uh, uh, trying to remember the author's name and I can't believe I, this is one of my favorite authors, Brene Brown. Oh my gosh. There we go. Yay, Brene Brown. Too. I love, love her. her right? Yes. So, um, in rising strong, I'm assuming you've read the book rising strong. She talks about her shitty first draft. Like she talks about that, like, you know, when you're feeling something and you're all fired up to write your um, SFD and, and you go and you write down all your emotions as if you're a five-year-old child and, and you speak your truth because that's your truth. That's the, your unfiltered truth. So a lot of the times um, when I'm not ready to talk about something, I'll journal it. I'll write it out. I'll write my SFD. I'll, you know, speak my truth to myself. So I think for those who are afraid to speak their truth, um, or maybe it's a really big deal and something's happened in life and they're used to speaking their truth, but they don't know how to approach this next truth and that this next step in their life. Um, I write it down. I write it down and I, I meditate like meditation is really great, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's writing, um, it's writing the truth for yourself and not for someone else. And once you write the truth for yourself, you realize it's not that scary Mm -hmm. because when it swims up in your head, that's when it's scary. When you pull it out of your head and you put it onto paper or you pull it out of your head and you bring it into the present moment, all of a sudden you realize, okay, this isn't as bad as I'm making it up to be because I'm like, I'm running through scenarios and I'm making it up and I'm making it scarier than it needs to be. And, and in actuality with the amount of energy I've put into that, I could have just dealt with it. Mm-hmm. And so I would say anybody that is, um, is ready to speak a truth for whatever reason it is, is to look within themselves and, and speak the truth to themselves first. So whether that's through medic- meditation and, and, and thinking about your truth, whether that's through writing your, you know, your SFD, your shitty first draft, whatever it is, maybe it's bullet point lists, maybe it's journaling, um, maybe it's even in front of a friend that is a neutral party and you just need to get it off your chest. Um, whatever recording yourself I mean whatever it is is taking the first step of actually speaking it like Mm -hmm. taking it out of your head and getting it out of you and once you get it out of you my belief is that it becomes less scary and it it opens up um, a world or you know a door for you to step through and be able to actually have that conversation Mm -hmm. totally and then you learn from there so that, that would be my my suggestion I love that yeah Mm-hmm. So good. <laughs> I agree. Yes, we've got to get them the thoughts. We've got to get that out of our head because they, they, yeah, it's never good when they stay there. <laughs> so oh, no, it multiplies. It it yeah. spreads. It it riddles you with anxiety. Mm-hmm. It like no, you've just yeah. you've just gotta get yeah. it. And and you know what's nice about writing it down too is that. 
you get all the anger out at the same time or whatever toxic feeling so that when you actually go to have that conversation or you go to speak that truth, it's been through a couple layers of filter. So it's yeah. not, it's coming from a better place opposed to, and I've made, I've made the mistake, especially, you know, you know, being married, having kids, being frustrated, those SFDs would have come in, in handy a lot of times because, you know, you, you say your truth and you're like, but that's not what I meant to say. Can I put the words back right. into my mouth? <laughs> and pretend that never happened let me try again yeah um, so writing yeah. it down is a is a good thing yeah yeah and nobody well, that's what therapy is essentially yes yes yeah. mm -hmm. it's, it's that neutral in. person that you speak yeah. your truth to yeah and nobody's gonna judge you yeah exactly you take it out of your brain and we can put it in front of us and we can look at it mm -hmm. and and talk yeah. about it and see what parts are um maybe even made up or yeah uh, no for sure yeah false have yeah. you have you heard of the author um and you probably have but maybe not byron katie it sounds familiar but okay so i would totally suggest that you so she's written multiple books but the one that i I've most recently fallen in love with and actually had internal struggles with like i it's called love what is and i would like i started mm -hmm. listening to it and I'm like, I don't love what is. Are you kidding me? I'm like, I'm all about change and all about fast pace. I'm all about what's next. What's the next thing? Settling doesn't exist in my world. Mm -hmm. so I would like put it on for a few hours and then I'd turn it off and be like, no. And then I have a discussion with my friend and, and I'm like, I can't stand this. I'm like, I'm literally an internal war over this book. <laughs> but at the end, at the end of it, basically she asks you to do the work. So what she does is she asks you four questions. And so what you're supposed to do is write down, say if you're angry at somebody, write down all, so this is your SFD, right? All the stuff you hate about the person. And then statement by statement, you go through and you go, well, is this statement true? Like, can we can we be 100% sure that it's true? Normally we say no. What would you be um, without this thought? Well, I'd be carefree. I would not feel stressed. Can you think of a, um, a stress-free reason to keep this thought? Well, no, because it causes me stress. But the last question or the last part of the work that she has you do is she has you turn it around. So let's say, for example, um, you're in a relationship and your husband says to you, I don't feel um, like you're a prior, like I'm a priority to you. So you go through the work, but the last question is, well, let's turn that around. Cause it's usually when you start with yourself, right? It's, I'm not a priority to me. Mm -hmm. So it's not actually the person that's making me feel this way. It's that I'm not taking the time to make myself a priority. I'm not doing the things I love to do. And we're putting that on someone else. So Byron Katie Love What Is is an amazing book. And I went through an internal struggle with it, but um, I came out the other side. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that though. Books that make you struggle are the best. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. It's such a great yeah. example. So thank you for sharing that. I'm I'm gonna have You're to welcome. check it out. Okay. I feel like I could keep you here all day. <laughs> um, <laughs> I could talk to you all day. I love it. <laughs> I well, good. Thanks. That's something else we have in common. We can both talk. <laughs> <laughs> so true. I know. I'm like, hi, I'm trying to figure out how can I work with you again in the future? All right. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to move into the questions and then also we'll talk about where people can find you because I'm sure lots of people mm -hmm. will want to. So what do you feel has been the most vital to your growth? Every single fall that I've had, <laughs> every single stone that I have tripped over, um, every single, um, I hate calling them mistakes, but every single mistake I've ever made, those, those are, without those things, I, there, I wouldn't have grown. I wouldn't at all. I've made a lot of mistakes in life. I've, I've tripped over a ton of pebbles um, and I've had a lot of roadblocks put in front of me. And that's that I would say would be the most vital to my growth. Learning from those mistakes or stumbles. Yeah. Learning from them, but then applying the learning, you know, like actually mm -hmm. like taking what you've learned and actually doing different. So it's like going back to like, I didn't know I fell. I know 
and now I'm going to do differently. It's not stopping at the, oh, I know, and then do nothing. It's like, now let's change course and let's use that for good. So I think those, that to me would be the most vital. Mm. I'll trip and fall all day long over, over being successful. Like, I mean, it's, uh, that's where we get where we need to be. Totally. Yes. I love that. It's been your response to those that makes yes. the difference. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number two is, uh, what do you want to make sure that people know? You mean in general? Like, yeah. What like, people know. This is your opportunity to tell everybody something. What would it be? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I, you know what? I'm going to go back to this. Um, so life, life is not easy. Life is hard. Um, but it's only as hard as we make it. Um, I actually just did a social post um, about, you know, we might feel really tiny in a really big world, but we're only as mighty as we allow ourselves to be. And so I, I really feel like we need to have confidence in ourselves, allow ourselves to stumble and fall, learn and actually move into action after that. Um, but the biggest one for me is to forgive often. Um, realize that people are where they are and the way to give back in the world is to meet them where they are and mm-hmm. to not hold a grudge and to be part of their stumble, but be part of their rise and help them no more so they can be better. So that mm-hmm. would be the, you know, forgive often and help others be better because I believe when you open that up, the world will give it back to you. Mm-hmm. That's like totally a tweetable moment right there. <laughs> like frantically writing this down. I just love that. The way to give back in the world is to meet people where they are. That's huge. Yes. And that's what it is. And, and we can't, I deal with this all the time in organizations with people that I meet, you know, we get these leaders that, you know, be like, but these are my expectations and this is what they need to live up to. I'm like, well, what have you done to help people live up to those expectations? Like, have you come down to their level and figured out where they are and what you need to teach them to, to live up to that expectations? Or are you just expecting? Mm-hmm. And so the way to give back to people in the world is to give them the knowledge they don't have, but you have to be able to meet them where they are. You can't expect more than they can give you because if you do, they're going to fail and you're going to be disappointed every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for pouring into us and for sharing your heart and your wisdom. And gosh, I just, I think that this is just going to be so helpful for so many people. Oh, well, that's, that's, and that's, that's what I'm here for. So thank you for saying that, that that's my only wish and hope. So that's good. I hope it is. Good. I just love you already. (laughs) (laughs) The feeling is mutual. The feeling is mutual. If I could hug you through the screen, I would hug you through the screen. But unfortunately, there is a screen. Darn it. I know. Canada and Colorado are a little far away, but who knows? Hey, I'll be down there in January. We should have dinner. You'll be in Colorado? I will be. I'll be in Denver in January. Oh yeah, I love it. Tell yeah, me. Yeah, we can. Like uh, a- yeah, I will. I'll send you. Yeah, I'll send you a message. I'm down there actually, January, February, and March. So even if we don't catch each other in January, we have a couple of opportunities. And then I'm speaking at Innovative Dealer. Um, when is that happening? April. Uh, it's know. in Denver, Colorado. I don't know. So there's this this big conference out there. So I'm speaking. So there's multiple opportunities. I'll be out there. So we will have to catch up for sure. Yeah. Heck yeah. That's awesome. All right. Sounds good. All right. So before then, because a lot of the listeners are in Colorado, so they might want to come too. But <laughs> <laughs> we should do a session. We should do a live session. Oh my gosh. How much fun would that be? That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. It would, that would be so much fun. Look at these things. <laughs> uh, yep, big things happening. Um, uh-huh. Before then, okay, so how can people find you? Let, let us know what you have going on. I know you're on social media, but Facebook, yep. Instagram, do you do one more than the other? 
So uh, yeah, like Instagram is um, definitely kind of a view into my personal world. It's very much um, as I go sort of thing. So definitely um, three times a week, I'm usually on there. Facebook, I think I post there almost every day on Facebook, Twitter, um, Twitter and and LinkedIn are, are are big ones from a professional standpoint. Um, but I am I'm active on all on all accounts. So at any time, if anybody wants to like direct message me, um, my website is katymares.com. So if they want to, you know, take a look at my blog or check me out there and and or email me, my emails that is there as well. And um, I'm really any questions anyone has, I'm out to help. So I hope they don't hesitate to reach out. Awesome. Yeah, I hope they don't either. All right. Well, get in touch with Katie. She's amazing, as you all already know after listening for the last hour. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and and just coming and being present with all of us today. Oh, it's such a pleasure. And thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. All right, my friends, wasn't that just so dang good? (laughs) We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the WE Podcast and that you have taken away powerful insights to apply in your own life. Katie is such an inspiration and a force to be reckoned with. She is a voice of empowerment for all women and the world is truly a better place because she's sharing her message and her truth. Thank you again, Katie. Now, just so you know, the WE podcast will be taking a two-week break during the week of Christmas and New Year. I will be spending time with my family and focusing on finishing up my book before 2019. We are excited to continue to bring you amazing episodes in the new year. Don't forget to screenshot your review and tag me and the WE community so we can conversate with you on social media. Thank you so much for being here today. It means a lot to us. Remember, your story makes you who you are. Speak your truth, grow constantly, rise above, and always know you are not on this journey alone. See you next time.